0: the priority really is just keep our customers connected, keep them running, keep our employees safe, make sure they're getting paid so we, you know, we can navigate through this together.
1: Welcome to episode 400 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Jess Delfiaco, the communications manager. We've interviewed Travis Carter several times before, but never in the middle of a pandemic. Travis is the CEO of US Internet, a locally owned internet access company here in Minneapolis. Travis intends to build out the USI fiber optic network across the city, and while the coronavirus may have slowed down construction, it hasn't interrupted service for subscribers. In this interview, Travis and Christopher discuss what it's like operating his company during a national crisis, and while social distancing impacts operations. He also talks about how, as more people are working from home and schools are shut down, traffic is impacting demands on the network. Now here's Christopher talking with Travis Carter from U.S. Internet.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. Woot woot! <laughs> I'm here with Travis Carter in his office at the uh, U.S. Internet uh, World Headquarters. World Headquarters, World, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, of um, in, uh, do you call this Minneapolis? I mean, you're not in Minneapolis.
0: Yeah, because right? nobody ever knows where Minnetonka, Minnesota, right. is.
2: Right. So, we are recording what will become episode four hundred.
0: I missed three hundred, but now I got four hundred. That's right. Well done.
2: Um, and and just so you know, so Lisa Gonzalez, um, the the person who's edited more than four hundred of these podcasts, who's done an immeasurable amount of work, uh, she was supposed to be four hundred. Oh, but this is sorry, it's too topical. And and Lisa understands that once again, I'll just be sorry, Lisa. Her.
0: You could have how about five hundred for her? Or is yes. That two, yeah, well, then she's, she's committed for two more years.
2: Well, she's leaving. Oh. Yeah, I guess
0: you didn't see the news. No. (laughs) Sorry, Lisa. Now I feel bad.
2: Yes, actually, as we're talking, today was her last day. And so um, if people um, want to see uh, what happens when a rock leaves an office... But Travis, you and I, can we can barely see each other. We're sitting so far apart in your, well, in your we're office. We're
0: socially distanced correctly, I believe. Right.
2: And I don't say that to to make fun of it. It is important. Yes. Um, and your office is pretty much empty. But I wanted to talk about what it's like to be running a company right now. So um, we're going to talk about a number of other things, including your motor motorhome e- extravaganza adventure cool. on mobile wireless. But uh, let's just start over this. So What is happening with USI right now that is different than it would normally be in the middle of March?
0: Well, as you can see, looking around the office, uh, all the doors are shut. There's nobody here. Fortunately for us, being in the internet uh, business, we have a pretty good uh, set of systems and resources. So most of our folks are working from home. We do have one or two people that are working in our data center, just to make sure that that's secure and and people are able to come in and out. And we do have a small skeleton staff of people working in the field, doing break fix uh, on our network to keep things up and running. Otherwise, the vast majority of them are working from home. Uh, We're using Google Hangouts, we're using our voice over IP system to have daily calls, monitoring the news and just trying to, you know, make sure everyone's happy and healthy.
2: Now, even your, your customer service representatives, they don't have to be here.
0: Correct. The vast majority of them are at home, um, and they're they're able to VPN in, get on the voiceover IP system, and do their job and be, be connected to all the resources remotely.
2: Do you have people who would ordinarily be working who are not working right now?
0: Uh, yep. So when, when a new home or a new business signs up, we actually deploy people out there to run fiber cables or... You know, devices inside of the homes; those people are on hiatus right now.
2: And and so, as a small business owner, I, I'm just curious. I mean, how do you how do you deal with that in terms of just not not knowing when you can bring them back and and what you can do for them?
0: Well, the commitment that I've made to our people is they're they're going to continue to be getting paid. They're going to continue to uh, get all of their benefits uh, as long as as we possibly can which in in our game or in our business i'm anticipating you know depending it moves day to day but it should be till the end of this pandemic so i've really tried to reinforce with our staff and our people that we're here for them um, and we're not you know doing like unfortunately a lot of other people had to do layoffs and things like that we're they're here and we're going to utilize their abilities as needed to keep things going for mm-hmm. our customers.
2: So the, the savage irony is that last year at this time we weren't even close to being done with snow. The ground was frozen. You're, I can only imagine you looking out the window and seeing uh, this Minnesota where we appear to be having an early spring. Where if if we didn't have a pandemic, you'd probably be getting pretty busy pretty soon.
0: Yeah, we've waited for this year for four years, <laughs> right? We we every in Minnesota we have. The four seasons, as we like to uh, talk about. So we've been waiting for an early spring, and it shut us basically right down about a week and a half, two weeks ago. So, yeah, we would be out and running in full force. The good news is a traditional construction year for us starts April 15th. So depending on, you know, what is today, the 20th of March, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what happens. Now, this is a volatile situation and changes every day. So maybe by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be different. But as of right now, you know, if, if the 14 days or 21 days people are talking about, we maybe won't miss much of the season.
2: Right. That's a, certainly a best case scenario. Best
0: case for us. But that, for us, that's not really the priority right now. The priority really is just keep our customers connected, keep them running, keep our employees safe, make sure they're getting paid so we, you know, we can navigate through this together.
2: I'm curious. I mean, the, the other savage irony, we got, we got multiple yep. ones here, is that at a time in which you can't really install new customers, uh, what is the demand for your services looking oh, it's,
0: like? It's at an all-time high. You know, it's three to four times our normal uh, onloading of customers. Now, fortunately for us, we've got a tremendous amount of apartment buildings or what Mm -hmm. we affectionately call MDUs, multi-dwelling units, already pre-wired. So the vast majority of people can just plug into the jack and they're on. And so we've had real, real big uptake in our MDU customer base, but single family homes are through the roof as well. And a lot of them are disappointed that we're not going to be able to get them hooked up right away. But I'm sorry, I'm not, you know, it's not worth the bigger risk right now. Mm -hmm. We we will happily hook you up when this is behind us.
2: What is the, the demand of your existing customers look like?
0: The way we always do our network design is for Sunday night and Monday night. Okay, these are the busiest times for internet traffic, streaming, peering, all the different types of stuff that we have, and so the average day now, looks like a Sunday night. So if you take our network and you break it into a, the core network, and these are the pieces that um, connect to Netflix and all the different types of services, we try to run at about a 10% utilization. So we're sitting there about 10% utilized during the day, where normally it would be much lower than that. Mm-hmm. So if you think of every day now as Sunday night prior to this, mm-hmm. that that's really where we're sitting.
2: So one of the things that that then I, we're seeing elsewhere is that the peaks are getting higher both during the day and during the night.
0: Yeah, so our our big peaks historically were always the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you know, Academy Awards. Well, you talk about Game of Thrones on Well, the that's the super peak. That's the Mount <laughs> Everest of of our business is the Game of Thrones denial of service, you know when mm-hmm. that came out. This is nothing near that. When people talk about working from home, our Netflix, Hulu, YouTube servers are pretty busy during the day now. So I <laughs> think a that. lot of people that aren't working or, you know, are, are utilize, taking that opportunity to maybe catch up on their streaming mm-hmm. content.
2: You know, I think we're about to um, – we decided, my wife and I, to pull Jackson out of daycare um, – and uh, anticipating daycares will soon be closed anyway here sure. in the state of Minnesota, and so I can tell you that um, probably you'll see more streaming I mean I'm not one of your customers yeah, yeah. yet unfortunately <laughs> um, but uh, when you um but for the for Comcast, you know they would see that there there's gonna be more streaming in my house during the day, even if i'm working
0: yeah streaming uh, is huge right now, VPN traffic obviously big for people working from mm-hmm. home and uh, again for us it's just focusing on keeping things running
2: and i'm i'm hearing that you know some people uh, non-technical people especially might be a little frustrated with you know um uh, zoom not working as well although i think zoom has been one of the ones that works the best some of the other often proprietary video conferencing solutions may not be working as well that's not because of the ip layer right no
0: no i think it's their 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 server stack is it, it, let's be honest. Who would have thought about this? If 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 you and I were running around talking about a, a national pandemic that was going to effectively shut the country down, mm-hmm. it, we'd be kind of considered one of those. Fringe people, right? Right, right. Imagine going to a CEO and and saying,
2: I want you to spend uh, 20% more in this area on the off
0: chance that that we suddenly have a doubling of demand. Exactly. So what we did is when this started is we started to load up on spares. A lot of compute power, a lot of fiber power, a lot of switch power. So in the event, A, if we have failures, and B, if we get into capacity constraints – we're going we're going to be able to just take it from local inventory versus trying to ship it in from mm-hmm. a vendor who may not be open at that time so yeah but you're a hundred percent correct if we would have been running around saying we need 50 percent more compute capacity just to sit here we would have never got that approved by anyone
2: mm-hmm What's happening with uh, your wireless network?
0: So we made a decision early on that our wireless network is made up of 2,500 wireless access points in the city of Minneapolis that we would – previously you had have to log in, give your name – Uh, a credit card number just so that we knew who you were you know it was a way to kind of track it it was an early method for kind of trying to track people for um you know if there's some bad actors out there well what we did now is we just opened it up so that it operates like a starbucks or a hotel and just let people use it if they needed to use it so as of this morning there was about seventy three hundred connections onto the free public wi-fi network in the city of minneapolis
2: and that was an idea that the the city had also come up with independently. While
0: yeah, it was it was it was kind of ironic. We were working on it internally on how we're going to do it, and then the city called and said, "Hey, would you guys consider it?" And we're like, "Well, ironically, we're you know so." did they come up with it first or us i don't know we we all kind of came up with it together and we uh, enabled that uh, last monday this is now friday so it would have just been a few days ago and you can see a steady increase in the number of people that are connected to it
2: now when the city calls you and you pick up the phone does it speak with a computerized
0: voice oh no no nice people down there you know <laughs> trying to do best and they're just like hey can you help and i'm like of course we can help Right. And, and here's no, I was just trying do.
2: to make a joke, and obviously it went yeah, over very the, well. The big government, yeah, yeah. this is the government calling. <laughs> right. No, no,
0: they're just people like you and me, you know. Try, <laughs> and they're dealing, you know, I we're just trying to deal with the technology that I got. I can't imagine what they're dealing with.
2: What are some of the challenges that you foresee with throwing open a twenty-six hundred node wireless network? With uh, expectations people might have when they see that on the news.
0: Yeah, and and that's one of some of the things that we're we're working through now is the expectation. So you got to. Imagine when we put this wireless network out, like cell phones and tablets really didn't exist.
2: Right, 2007, 2008. Yeah.
0: So now we're sitting here with a scenario in the early days, you would need to have a client device that we would connect to your home, and then we would run a cable into your house, and we'd put a router in your house, and you would use the wireless network to connect from your home to the pole or the node, and then you would connect Wi Fi inside your home. Okay, that's the model we've been using for the last twelve, thirteen years. Now you have people that are turning their phones on and they're looking for the SSID and trying to connect from the bowels of their home and going, why isn't it working? Mm -hmm. So we have a little bit of education that we need to do and that's kind of the process we're going through right now is Wi-Fi, these are the same phones that could barely connect from your garage to your kitchen, right? And now you're trying to go a thousand feet down to the corner you know it's just just physically there's not enough power there to make it happen
2: well it feels like we're reliving the experience of 15 years ago with the uh the expectation that a device on the other side of the block is somehow going to be able to give you a robust connection within your home
0: well what's interesting though and i haven't been able to really put my thumb on it is these phones have cellular service so why you know why wouldn't somebody just continue to use their cellular service?
2: Well, we can talk about that yeah um, in a minute.
0: Yes. <laughs> so it, it's kind of like okay, I understand the Wi-Fi is free and I would love people to use it, and mm-hmm. a lot of people are using it. But if you're in a stucco home that has um, you know effectively a Faraday cage in there, so you you got your little cell phone that purposely doesn't transmit at a high power because it's a battery, you know, and all these Mm -hmm. technical things. But in this time, people don't want to hear that. They just Mm want to know why.
2: Right, right.
0: So, And again, it's not an excuse. It's just the way the technology works.
2: You you started an experiment recently in terms of lowering the price in some of the low income um, areas that you're yep. serving with uh, some of the buildings that have a all low income um, households.
0: Correct. Yeah, we have a fair number of units that are wired, ready to go with high speed internet, and we were having a very minimal uptake in these buildings. And I and I was trying to just I, I like to work from data. Not emotion. So, where was the hurdle? Was the hurdle price? Was the hurdle demand? Were, were most people using their cell phones? You know what? What was it? Mm-hmm. So, we started with the very first one is price. So, we lowered our price in half.
2: So, a typical price for anyone in the city would be fifty dollars. Fifty bucks, right? Yeah.
0: Fifty bucks gives you three hundred megabit up and down. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to say it's twenty five dollars. 300 megabit up and down. So we created a marketing piece. We worked with a management company, and we offered that service two months ago now. Mm-hmm. And so far, we have zero people. Zero. Yeah.
2: I was expecting some number. Nothing.
0: Okay. So now, now we know $25 isn't the right number. Is mm-hmm. if again if it's well, just I mean, price. It's,
2: well, it's, it's fascinating because. Um, I mean, you would what you would expect, what I would expect is is that um, moving from fifty to twenty five may not result in everyone signing yeah. up, but that you would have moved past the threshold for some group of people
0: and and again, we're just trying you know mm-hmm. again, we're trying to quantify some data here, So now mm-hmm. we're at zero new subscribers. Mm-hmm. The thirteen subscribers we had. They're still there, and you know, the, off they go. So now the question is: Prior to this whole COVID issue, do we now lower the COVID. price? COVID, yeah. sorry, Co-Vad COVID
2: was an old. Yeah, sorry, yeah,
0: COVID. Yeah, do we now? I think,
2: well, actually, just I think COVID wasn't that a That's company old, old telco company. Yeah, That's why I have that in my head. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so now, do we lower the price again? Okay, and so again, trying to determine what type of demand there is mm-hmm. for, and is it again maybe people. Aren't interested. See, this is what's ironic for me because you and I live in this technology game, and I couldn't go 10 minutes without being on the internet. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole set of society that doesn't. You know, I, I talk about this on our on your podcast every time. We still have like 1,200 dial up customers, <laughs> like modems, you know, and then, right. and all your millennials on here are like, what? You know, yeah, but you know, right, like who's even repairing yeah, those? I mean, yeah, those go devices- on YouTube and, <laughs> and, and and search for a modem and listen they're, to the, yeah.
2: those devices are well above their mean time yeah. between failure. Well,
0: exactly. I mean, yeah, again, the manuf. well, good job, manufacturers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but USR no, really did their exactly. job. <laughs> <laughs> but the job. Exactly. But I mean, the key here is, is, My demand for connectivity, your demand for connectivity is very different than maybe somebody else's demand for connectivity Mm -hmm. and so again we're just trying to get to the source
2: you know i can imagine people who work in digital inclusion maybe pulling their hair out a little bit because um there is no one way to describe this population i mean we're talking about millions of people at the end of the day and so there's certainly some of them who don't subscribe for that reason for a lot of people the data does suggest it's price motivated yep and but at the same time we don't have a lot of experiments with this. And well, that's so,
0: why I thought we used this, like, I think mm-hmm. it's 500 units is our sample size. We're just using this as our, our, our kind of our Petri dish to mm-hmm. figure out the right thing.
2: Right, and you, so you have signs up.
0: Oh, yeah. and Direct mail signs, mm-hmm. the property managers notifying them. Mm-hmm. So there's no, no misunderstanding on what it is.
2: Well, and that's that's why I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. And I think this is where I hope we'll see more research, um, you know, in terms of, you know, whether there's, um, you know, for instance, there's a group um, here in Minneapolis called CTEP, which I cannot remember exactly. They're involved with AmeriCorps. They've been trying to work on digital divide issues for a lot of years. And um, it would be interesting if they spent some time, for instance, just going door to door and interviewing people to be like, "Did you know this was available? Yeah, yeah. exactly. How come you're not using it? Like, <laughs> well,
0: and that's you know, that's kind of maybe one of the next steps is to is to grab some of that data. My current thought is the next step is so one thing we've changed uh, and we've just changed it since the beginning of the year is we've started to promote television service through our internet product via YouTube TV. Mm-hmm. So it started out a little, you know, slow, but we've just now added it to our order form. It's... It's unbelievable the number of people that are interested in television.
2: Across your whole market. Across our,
0: all of our new customers. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing now is I'm thinking, let's go back to this area, our pilot project, reintroduce it at a low price with a television component attached to it, and use that as our second data point. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have price alone, Internet only. Now we'll have price alone plus TV, mm-hmm. and and, we'll start, and then we'll start continuing to ratchet ourselves. I'd love to get to the end of the exercise and go, this resonates with certain people. People, and this is what it is, and then it's duplicatable.
2: Another common challenge for people is devices. But you have a relationship with PCs for people.
0: Correct. Yeah, them and the gadget guy. There's a bunch of uh, people that we have worked with to help people with technology. Because you're spot on. I don't even know if most of these people have computers. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I don't. You know, and again, I hate to say these people. It's just this group. Right. This group of people that. It's either price or demand Mm -hmm. or or entertainment. You know, I don't know what it is yet. Right. I mean,
2: one of the things I was going to say was, I mean, I'm I'm so staggered at zero new signups, um, was that in some ways your experiment has a major, the pandemic falling right in the middle of it could have totally corrupted it. Because you may see sudden new demand because of the people being quarantined. Yep. But it's zero, it's zero. zero. zero yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> now, again, my data is four or five days old. Mm-hmm. So we could reconvene, say, in another few weeks mm-hmm. and see. But it was not very promising price only. Mm-hmm.
2: So this is something that you and I have talked about quite a bit, is how how do you as a private company figure out how to connect the entire city correct and yep. and one of the things that that I've said <laughs> that that um you know is that I would like to see the city doing more and and I know that you have your own conversations with the city and, and I don't want to put any words in your mouth um, but but looking at it from a perspective of a private company you as a as an ego point of view you want to be in front of every address in Minneapolis correct that's yep, important yep, to yep. you yeah that's and, a career goal
0: sure I, I'd love at the end of my career to go yep the place I grew up with in mm-hmm. and, the, and where I went to school and all my friends live, yep, we did that.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, the challenge is is that you know um, on a neighborhood-by-neighborhood basis where there's demand You have, using the proxy of your wireless service. Because Correct, you've, yeah. Because you've had wireless everywhere for 12 years. You have a sense of some neighborhoods take much more of it than other neighborhoods.
0: Correct. And so the challenge for us is, appeasing the financial institutions that we borrow money from. you know, We have to be able to make the bank covenants work. Mm -hmm. And so you have two ways of doing that. I can continue to raise the price on our current customers to feed in areas that I feel are less demand, or I can figure out why there is less demand. And that's where we're using these apartment buildings that have historically low uptake, because I feel if we can figure out the right formula there, and if it's a price entertainment maybe a technology component you know whatever that ends up mm-hmm. being because remember an apartment building in my mind is no different than a series of homes it's you know it's 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 how do we crack the demand and desire element that's what we're working on now so if we can get that figured out in this pilot project i think that will apply to everywhere in the city And then I I affectionately have been calling them internet opportunity zones, Mm -hmm. right? So this is an area here that we don't see as much uptake, but we have a rationale based on our pilot project, again, pre-pandemic, of this is the products and service we should put into that opportunity area, and then we have to figure out how to finance it. So maybe there's an opportunity to work with the city, you know, they're, 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 They're always open to ideas. I don't know what they can or can't do, but they're at least open to having ideas. Maybe I can find some other funds. Maybe the Minnesota Broadband Grant would stop... Not allowing us to participate. You know, right, I don't. Is this targeted at rural
2: areas? It's, it's targeted at
0: rural areas, which is fair. Yeah. I totally get it. Well, it's, but,
2: it's fair in the sense that Comcats convinced the legislature yeah. to write it in a certain
0: direction. <laughs> but I mean, I would love to be able to go to them and say, hey, you know what? How about I put up 50% and and I get a 50% grant and then I can make the math work everywhere? Mm-hmm. So again, there's, there's a solution here and we're going to, as long as I'm sitting in this chair, we're going to finish Minneapolis. Okay. It's mm-hmm. just. How we're gonna get there? I just need to be non-emotional along the way, and how whatever people think or call me names or whatever the case may be, we're gonna figure the we're gonna figure it out.
2: Mm-hmm. Are people calling you a trekkie again?
0: Yeah, they call me a nerd, but I'm okay with that. So,
2: <laughs> um, you know, I was having this conversation with someone in in Minneapolis and um and and I mentioned to them that and I think this is worth repeating that that you know, from your point of view, it's not it's not a game. Like, I mean, Let's just say for a second, SpaceX could turn out to be something um, with their Starlink in which they would suddenly take 30% of the market. They're not going to, and they're not even trying to do that. But like, yep. we've, we fundamentally don't know what's going to happen in two or three years. You have loans you have to pay back. Yep. And people have this sense like, oh, I'm sure you're just an LLC, and at the end of the day, the worst thing that happens to you is you lose your business.
0: Well, since I'm personally guaranteed on all this, I lose everything,
2: and that's what I wanted to, yeah, wanted to every, mention. Every yeah.
0: yeah, I have absolutely nothing at the end of the year, and sadly, I'm not qualified to do anything else. <laughs> My backup plan was to work at, as a greeter at Walmart, and I heard they got rid of them, so right. it's like that's all I had. So I have got to make this work,
2: right? And well, I mean, the point I think is is people have a misunderstanding; they think that you could go to a bank. And, and say, I want you to loan money to this limited liability corporation. And then if it doesn't work out, hey, too bad. You don't get paid back, and I'm going to go take oh, the money I made, and I'm going to go down yeah, the Caribbean.
0: Again, that is, if you've never been in business, if you've never been an entrepreneur, I can understand why you might think that. But that's not the way it really works. Banks are in the business of being paid back. <laughs> and there's no misunderstanding <laughs> at the bank that if yeah, you've got to be able to pay them back. Okay. Yeah, they no, don't they don't take they don't take risks for public good or whatever you want to you know mm-hmm. how you want to refer to it. They look at you and go, all right, what are the odds of you of us getting paid back? And like I always tell my bank, the odds are a hundred percent because I work day, nights, and weekends to make sure that this is going. And but I but I would challenge you on one thing though. Mm-hmm. Technically, I feel we do know where we're going. And here's and and I'll put my name and reputation on this. Wireless will never replace fiber. So the deeper we can get fiber into the neighborhoods, the better off the citizens will be and the users of the network. And I'm 50 years old. I'll be happy to sit here in 40 years and have mm-hmm. this conversation with you again. Yeah,
2: no, I I think you're, you're right. But there's a couple of assumptions you're making. One is that you're going to have a company offering a very good value proposition. Now, Comcast uh, Cable um, offers and some people might be falling off their chairs when I say this, a pretty good value proposition in a number of areas. They Mm. offer pretty fast connections. And I'm saying that relative to a company like
0: Mediacom
2: or CenturyLink. Sure, fair enough. Or something like that.
0: Honestly, they do a pretty good job.
2: Right. And so, um, but with their prices and whatnot, there's always going to be an opportunity to compete against them. And to some extent, um, you know, you've certainly done well competing against some of the fiber. But if you look at in Boston with NetBlazer or Starry, two ISPs that are doing quite well also competing against Comcast with wireless. Um, you know, I think if Comcast switched to an all-fiber infrastructure, those wireless companies would still be doing pretty well because there's a couple of other variables that are also important.
0: Well, and, and I'll agree with you that I think what you're seeing, the shift in the ISP world or or the – it used to be speed, 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 speed. Mm-hmm it's It's now how reliable are you? Mm-hmm. you know, even the conversation I was having this morning, speed wasn't even a conversation. It was how many nines of uptime do you have? Mm-hmm. because people expect the internet to be there now because they're using it for so many parts of their life. and honestly, you know, with VPN traffic and all that, that's really low bandwidth utilization. so it's very it's it's hard to even see a big uptick from people working from home like VPN in for doing email and group chats. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we get into situations of streaming and all that, that's where the consumption really is. And so, you know, when you grow up your whole life and TV just works, and now you put them on an internet streaming platform, to them it's still TV. Why wouldn't it work? It's one of the challenges we had with voice over IP. The phone companies did such a good job with right. landlines. Yeah, My landline worked my entire youth. Right. Never once was it not there.
2: Yeah, people don't even appreciate it. I think, like, you could literally have a tornado that would rip apart the electric system. Yep. And and I'm not saying that every telephone worked,
0: but there was a lot of them yeah. that still worked. My water always comes out of the pipe. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I mean, I, I haven't really dug into how it works, but it's always there, <laughs> and that's right. what internet's
2: becoming. Well, and it's it's hilarious because most people don't know how that happens because yeah. if they knew how it happened, they wouldn't go buy a ton of it before a pandemic because well, okay. water is one of the things we're not going to run out of. Yeah, you
0: know what? When you and I—I I don't know when you were growing up, when I was growing up—I drank water out of the faucet. <laughs> I still do. Oh, yeah, so exactly. I put, I, I put ice cubes in it. Though. Yeah, but you know what I mean. So yeah, I'm not sure that we're ever going to run out of that. So no I think that the key here is is that it's all about reliability. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that now when my friends are calling me up and saying my VPN's dropping like crazy. I'm buffering in Netflix, you know, not on our network but on somebody else's network it has nothing to do with the speed conversation. Right. And I think and that's right, a key thing. Right, and I
2: think, I think people take it for granted now. They think it's going to be fast enough in urban areas in particular yeah. that, that they, they've stopped. It's not a differentiator anymore. They assume that part. Correct, And they're yeah. looking for the reliability. So I want to end by talking about your, your great vacation. Um, uh, I don't, <laughs> no one can see the slides, but...
0: <laughs> I had this harebrained idea. I hadn't really had a vacation in years. And so I decided I'm going to go on a vacation, and I decided to do it the way our you know our ancestors did except not in horse and buggy i got a motor home right mm-hmm. well now here's the challenge i'm an internet addict you know and i admitted what am i going to do so i'm going to give the cellular companies an opportunity now mm-hmm. so I went out and got a, a, a lte router and a couple sim cards and on the road we went
2: did you go crazy with a uh, t-mobile and, i went uh, with that 5G? t-mobile
0: blast thing okay oh yeah 5g Yeah. that <laughs> there's no 5g right that's a hell of a marketing anyway so uh, i got the t-mobile blast thing i got the verizon thing and down the road we go well about four days into it it worked okay you know if you had good Mm -hmm. coverage and you know i'm using the signal meter you got to be a dang it scientist to make this work but anyways on day five it all stopped so i call back to the office i'm like hey my 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 cellular thing isn't working well oh you're over your data limit i'm like huh data limit 20 gig or something in like two and a half days mm-hmm. well then it's you get more and more and more i think i ended up spending hundred three hundred dollars on data through this whole thing and you know what i ended up using most of the time is i'd go find somebody's wi-fi hotspot at a set yeah. at of at starbucks or at a mcdonald's because and i will say this and we'll, we'll, we'll put this in the podcast for all time There is a 0% chance cellular takes over being everyone's internet (laughs) provider. It's terrible.
2: Well, even even the 5G, I mean, they talk about how great it is, and they fully expect the, I think, four-fifths of it, you know, 80%-ish to be offloaded on Wi-Fi.
0: Yeah, it's exactly it. So then I did this little experiment because they talk about how well, if only if the cellular tower is overloaded, are we going to rate limit you? Uh-huh. So I, I was on the outskirts of Abilene, Texas, or something, or Amarillo, Texas, right? Mm. And I went out in the middle of nowhere. There was me and cows. <laughs> I was getting rate limited like crazy. So, anyways, I'm just saying that this was my whole thing. This is why cellular companies, Starlink, you know, all these kind of they're all wireless at the end of the day will never compete on what we're putting in. You put in a fiber connection to somebody's house. You give them a high-quality Wi-Fi connection. Um, Even now with Wi-Fi 6 coming out is the biggest evolution in Wi-Fi, and it might be something you want to talk about in a future podcast. Game changer. Mm -hmm. FCC opening up the 6 gigahertz band, game changer. So I would challenge you to say, yeah, we know what the next 10 years is going to be, and unless they invent something faster than light, I think we're okay, so I'm okay with personally <laughs> guaranteeing tremendous debt mm-hmm. to build this out because I think it's the right thing to do. And even in this pandemic, you can see there's zero zero impact on the network. Everything, everyone's working, everyone's enjoying the content. We just need to get through this together.
2: That's a great way to end it. I was uh, trying to decide if I should go anywhere else, but I feel like that's a good place Is to end. That
0: episode 400.
2: Episode 400 in the bag, huh? All right. Yeah. Sorry, Lisa lisa will be on next week with a conversation that uh, we recorded um as her goodbye um it's uh it's it's tragic to to work with someone for eight great years and then not even wow. have a chance to see her um you know as as she leaves out as she um moves on to another job but well,
0: um congratulations for her and uh, yeah. can i call dibs on episode 500 then Uh, You could try uh, already
2: two years from now. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Chris. Well done. Hopefully we'll be maybe doing a bar that actually has people.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, because I haven't seen anyone for days. So (laughs) it was nice for you to come over today. You're my first human interaction in almost a week. So thank you.
1: (laughs) That was Christopher talking with Travis Carter, CEO of U.S. Internet, a local Minneapolis-based ISP. Check out other conversations with Travis in episodes 359, 301, and 194. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at medianetworks.org broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at meaninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at community nets. Follow medianetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at medianetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power, Composting for Community, and the Local Energy Rules podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support, in any amount, keeps us going. Thank you to Arna Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was episode 400 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening.